Hey, City of Champions. Very psyched about the podcast this week. I was joined by not one, but two lovely ladies to talk about the role that sport plays in the physical and psychological development of kids. Dana Hyman is the executive director of Kids Sport Edmonton, and Kids Sport is a national not-for-profit organization that provides financial assistance to families to enable kids to participate in organized sports. We were also joined by Dr. Loren Sauls from the University of Alberta, who is in the midst of a two-year study to understand the extent to which the kids sport funding and participation in school sport successfully supports attendance, grades, attitudes towards school, um, and the well-being of the students from low-income households. These women are doing fantastic work for an exceptional cause, and the two of them were absolutely delightful to speak with. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you guys for uh, joining me on a lovely day. I know we're not going to be happy to be inside, but uh, I'm sitting here with Dana Hyman, Executive Director of Kidsport Edmonton. Congrats on the recent new position. Yes, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. It's awesome. Exciting. Thank you. And on the other side of the table is Dr. Loren Sulz. Very good. Did I nail that? You nailed yeah. it. Okay. Very For, few nail it. So I that's ma- impressive. I made a note. L A U dash R E. Okay. <laughs> Just because you know, you never know. Tricks right? the trade, my friend. Tricks yeah. the trade. Um, so the reason I brought the two of these lovely ladies here today is to um, marry my interest in sports um, and also giving back. So that's exactly what kids sport represents. And uh, Dr. Souls is doing research um, that's right in line with what kids sport does. So um, let's start with. Dana first and uh, just tell us a bit about how you got to be where you are with kids work. Okay, so how I got to be with where I am. So the beginning of my career, so I was born in Detroit, Michigan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Way <laughs> no, later. much time do we have? Yeah. We got an hour. Yeah, okay. If not, if not more. Okay, bullet points then. Okay. If you're good, we got more. <laughs> Um, so I, my first, the first part of my career was in the cancer sector doing fund development. And when I was getting out of the cancer sector, thank goodness, knock on wood, all the wood in the room, that um, when I was looking at getting into another nonprofit organization, it was hard for me to find one I could really get behind because my family is quite healthy. Or at that point, five, six years ago, again, knock on wood, my family was very healthy at that time. So it's hard for me to find a nonprofit to get behind. And um, when I, and I am from Michigan, when I moved from Michigan to Ontario when I was 14, an easy cultural move and I I was in Canada like once every two months we have family in Ontario so it wasn't culturally a hard shock for me but at any move at 14 you're gonna struggle even if it's down the street let alone six hours from your family and friends so um, my mom and I have different memories of this actually this just came up last year this (laughs) conversation because I remember it that I was going down the wrong path and I knew internally that wasn't me, uh, and then I came across rugby, and I was like, "Oh my God, get me on the field! Like, get cleats on me! Like, where, where, where do I get a mouth guard? Like, how do I get into this game?" <laughs> yeah. My mom remembers it by saying, "Listen, you find a sport, I'm putting you in a sport." <laughs> and then I found rugby. So we're still debating that one on who's who, who's right, but that's how I found rugby. And honest, uh, honest to goodness, that's definitely uh, was a game changer for me. Right. Um, the the friendships made, the experiences, the great and grace that you learn on the field, all of that. It's a really good way to put it. Thank you. Be great yeah, and great. Yeah, great and great. And that's what you learn, I think. And you can take that into 
any you know, professional world, personal life, everything, the values you learn on the field, mm-hmm. the ice rink, the dance floor, whatever it is, in the pool, you take with you through life. So it's really been a huge change for me. So when I was coming across positions to apply for, I came across kids sport and I was like, oh man, like same, how do I get the cleats on? How right. do I get on the field? How do I, how do I make this my job, exactly. my career? So I started with kids sport Calgary as our manager of events and volunteers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this position came up uh, in the summer and I applied for it and I'm now here at kids sport Edmonton. And you got it. So Kids Sport, in in a couple sentences, what's the mission, the mandate there? Mm, So... For kids sport, our you know our goal is to get you know create access for all kids to to um, get into sport. But I think what we're really doing at kids sport it's creating a sense of inclusion and community. I think it really goes deeper than the physical aspect of sport, getting kids on the field, getting them active, um, decreasing diabetes, heart disease, uh, all of those different types of physical benefits and health benefits. But it's natural human nature for us to crave connection and and human belonging right and and figuring out our place in the world and Mm -hmm. our why and what we're doing and I think providing kids who wouldn't normally have that opportunity to get on the field or whatever it might be that they're interested in is creating that sense of inclusion and community for Mm -hmm. them um, giving them different experiences and uh, I I could talk about this for the whole hour do you want me to keep going I'll I'll cut (laughs) trust me I'm rude I'll cut you off if I have to okay so uh, so that's really what we do is we help get kids into sport but it does more than that for them it creates a you know a team a family for Mm -hmm. them you were saying before this podcast you know like the experience of you know a single household with seven kids single household with one kid the different experiences that kids go through Mm -hmm. um giving them that you know stability and um center for them to go to different mentors in the community um different friends different groups to be a part of i think that's really important so sport provides that to them and what we do at kids sport is we work really hard to break down the financial barriers that prevent parents from getting their kids into sport who come from low socioeconomic families uh again to get them into sport um breaking the financial barrier of the registration fees. Right. Uh, and then we work very closely as well with Sports Central. Shout out to Sports Central. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do the same thing as us, same goals, uh, but they do equipment. So we work hand in hand with them. Uh, I joke that they're a work husband because we, we <laughs> do. We, uh, it's, you know, it's one and the same. You know, it's the same uh, group that we're working uh, to, to support. And I think collaboration is key in our community. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just about getting more kids onto the field and, and giving them that sense of inclusion and community through sport. Right. I think it's... Uh, it's so important to provide that hierarchical structure that for kids before they get into the real world, you know, you mm-hmm. need to learn mm-hmm. who are who are you? Who am I going to be in the real world? Mm-hmm. Am I naturally the leader? What are my values? Am I naturally the yeah, second in ex- command? Yeah. Do I fall more as a role player on the team? Mm-hmm. You know, am I the outspoken one? Like it teaches them so much about so themselves, many things, yeah. and it's so cool how they just sort of self-organize. You know, mm-hmm. the leaders come out, mm-hmm. and and the, you know the role players kind of fall to the way, and and mm-hmm. they step up when they have to. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And then especially obviously from lower you know income or socioeconomic. Um, families just because typically they're not in as structured a place mm-hmm. and, or maybe so you're, you just nailed the word yeah. structure you're providing yeah. that structure for yeah. them or maybe they have both parents there but, yeah. but both they parents work. are working exactly. all the time right? yeah. so and you know very important to the development obviously and I will say in addition to 30% of the families we support are new Canadians so it's creating an opportunity for them mm. to um, as they move over here mm-hmm. to you know go back to school get back on their feet but within that time help them and keep their kids active and integrate them into Canadian culturally culture. integrate yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Make friends. The uh, the last guest I had last week, his name's Sebastian Barrera, and he mm-hmm. works for uh, with At Risk Youth down like with the Boyle Street organization. Oh, great. And he was talking about the difference between um, 
multi multiculturalism and cultural integration. So multiculturalism is, you know, everyone maintaining their separate identities, but cultural integration, I think, which is what we do better in Canada, not better, more so in Canada, is blending the cultures mm-hmm. together, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, you might be a, a family from China, but next generation, your kids don't really speak Mandarin or they're mm-hmm. playing hockey now. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've, you're, you've got both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Too, so that's no, really good. Um, and Loren, so how do you fit in the picture here? How do I fit? Well, do you want my history as well? I was born. Yeah. <laughs> I was born on September 21st. Um, I'm from Saskatoon, mm-hmm. Saskatchewan, born and raised. So go Riders, obviously. Right. Um, how, how'd the game go the other day? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Exactly. Oops. All right. That's all right. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm a hockey guy, so no worries. Perfect. Um, and I was a teacher, mm-hmm. so I taught in Saskatoon. Um, Let's teach. I taught physical education and health education and science okay. on the side. <laughs> and, um, so that's where that's where it first started. So when I was teaching, I taught high school. So I was teaching um, youth physical education and realized in my short time as a teacher that I felt we weren't doing something right to get those kids to love physical activity Mm -hmm. so the way i was teaching wasn't working essentially so i'm a product of sport i played sport growing up my whole life Mm -hmm. um and i taught in a similar manner um and teaching and coaching are two different worlds Mm -hmm. and we now with my further education and more learning i know that we're not supposed to teach shall we coach right so what are the fun sorry to interrupt but that's That's really interesting to me what are the fundamental differences between coaching and teaching well um coaching kids sign up for sport mm-hmm. so they have an interest in sport mm-hmm. um teaching physical education you have a mixture of students who have a love for physical activity and don't have a love for physical activity usually in a sport you have soccer players who signed up for soccer right so if we teach the same way we coach it doesn't it doesn't work i mean our jobs as physical educators are to instill a love of movement and mm-hmm. promote lifelong physical activity mm-hmm. um, which i hope transfers over to the sport world as well because i think that's our job in sport as well but sometimes it doesn't so um, we have to teach in the mindset that we have a lot of diversity within our classrooms those that have physical ed- physical activity experiences and those who have none mm-hmm. um, and and teach a multiple um, multiple activities within that phys ed program in order to promote this lifelong activity and find something that kid likes. Right. So I realized that I wasn't, I wanted to know more about how to teach physical education to inspire movement. Right. And then I also coached and I was a crazy coach. <laughs> I played university basketball in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. So um, strong basketball background, lots of coaching experience. And then I took my like provincial team coaching experience and put it on my high school girls team, which also did not work. Right. Mm-hmm. Little overbearing. Little overbearing and little crazy. And I remember coaching and losing and being super mad and going to the change room and hearing my players giggle and happy. And I thought in that moment, like, what am I doing, right? Because that's not why they were playing. So both of those aspects sort of inspired me to kind of learn more about what's going on in the world of, in particular, girls and physical activity. Right. Um, so I went back to school, did my master's at U of S, mm-hmm. and I looked at why students choose to enroll in physical education and why they don't. So in grade 11, they get a choice. Um, what 90% of people don't choose to enroll when they get a choice to participate in physical education because of poor experiences prior to that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did my master's in Victoria in BC. Very um, nice. Yeah, it was awesome. And the, or did my PhD there, sorry. Um, yeah, and then I went back to Saskatoon for a year, then came here, and yeah. now I'm a 
assistant professor in faculty of education. That's awesome. So what uh, what what was your first interaction or your first encounter with Kidsport? Um, uh, I think I got an email saying, hey, we want to look to improve our program and see how we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be interested in, in taking a look at our program? So um, we met, and we um, they had a they had an interest in school sports. So mm-hmm. I think they um, and Dana can correct me if I'm wrong, but they have a little bit more information on um, you know how their program's doing for community sport. But mm-hmm. the piece that my is lacking information on is that school sport piece. So they also fund kids to play school sport, right? Which is my area of research. Mm-hmm. So the two aligned um, nicely. So our research is looking at. Um, the benefits of participating in school sport mm-hmm. um, from kids who are funded by kids sport. Right. So kids sport allows student mm-hmm. athletes to play school sport. School sports is expensive, which lots of people don't know. In Edmonton, it ranges from 150 to 400 dollars per sport. Mm-hmm. So if you have two per kids school or sport. two right. school sport, yeah. So if you're in, um, you know, you have two kids in sport, that could be up to 800 dollars a year. Right. Let alone community sport, let alone piano lessons right. or whatever else is going on. And those sports typically don't even go across the whole year, right? There's different semesters, so it could yeah. be four four hundred bucks one semester, four hundred bucks the Absolutely. next semester. Absolutely, right? yeah. So it is pricey, and I think the um, you know perception out there is that school sports free mm-hmm. because education is essentially free, but that's right. not true. Yeah. Um, so and it also used to be too, right? Like when we were kids, I feel like yeah. And it used to be cheaper because yeah. we don't go in five tournaments and we don't yeah. need five pairs of sweatpants yeah. and all the other things. <laughs> the specialization yeah. and the professional yeah. professionalization yeah. Of, of youth sports now is, is a little right. out of hand, right? Right, which, which, which is another issue, yeah. right? Yeah. It'd be another issue, yeah. Yeah. Another day. Yeah. <laughs> but what's... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so there's an important distinction here in what you're you're studying between youth sports, which is out of school, community mm-hmm. sports, and then school sports, which is sports that are facilitated by school, but out, still outside of school hours, yeah. correct? Yes, I believe there's an important distinction. And my distinction, or our distinction with the other people that I'm researching with, is that... Um, Education is for all, mm-hmm. so sport sh- school sports should be for all, right. and we need to ensure that that's part of this education that we have, you know, that school sports within that education model, that education is for all, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not right. due to fi- finances, yeah. So, has, and one question as I was reading your kind of summary of the research you're doing uh, popped up, and that's, is there a measurable impact on youth sports um, on educational benefits as there is on school sports and educational benefits? Or is there a higher, do you see a higher return on investment, so to speak, when it's when the sport is, is linked to school? Mm-hmm. Good question. And I think it depends on the outcome you're looking at. Um, so in this research and previous research have shown this, that if, if a student is involved in school sport, mm-hmm. um, they feel a higher sense of school connectedness, sense of belonging, mm-hmm. connection with important ad- adults in the school, within their peers, they have a social group. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to go to school every day. Um, so if we can establish that school connectedness, that sense of social group, sense of, sense of belonging, that's where it becomes more impactful in the sense of educational outcomes. Mm-hmm. So our goal with this study and with my, per, my goal as a researcher for school sport is still educational outcomes. Mm-hmm. Because what we're finding out with this, this research is that kids with low socioeconomic, from low socioeconomic families, sport gets them in the door. So that's why they go to school. And that's really the power of sport. And that's what we're really interested in. So Mm -hmm. this study isn't actually looking at any physical benefit. 
Okay. We know that sport provides physical yeah. benefits, and we mm-hmm. know we, is physical activity important? Absolutely. Our mm-hmm. kids are very inactive right now. Mm-hmm. Our society is inactive, mm-hmm. so that's. But we don't need to research that anymore. And we know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what we don't know is the educational benefits, social emotional benefits, sense mm-hmm. of belonging, all of that stuff. So that's what this study is about. Mm-hmm. How is that? being funded by kids sport and having being able to participate in school sport right. connected to all those right. um, life skills graduation rates attendance yeah. all that scholarships scholarships and, yeah. Yeah. Is, is psychological stability um in, encapsulated within the scope of your studies or is that is sort of a whole separate study? well we're looking at um one of my teaching areas at the university as well as research interests is whole child education. So that mm-hmm. kind of encompasses social, emotional, physical, and mental. Right. So we are looking at all of those aspects and how participation in school sport um, impacts those aspects. Right. So it's, yeah. yeah, it sounds like really interesting stuff and I'm excited to dive in. But before we do that, got to get Dana to tell us a little bit about how kids sport operates. So what what's the process in terms of how do you get from a kid whose family can't afford to put him in sports mm. to playing as a kid sport athlete? Great question, my friend. So <laughs> I'm just going to open this door because it's getting hot okay. in here. <laughs> uh, perfect. Thank you. So we want to make the program as easy as possible for our families. So we, we don't run or host any programs. We don't, in terms of sport programs, There, I don't run a soccer mm-hmm. program. There's so many... And I'm not going to recreate the wheel. There's already so many beautiful soccer programs in our community, hockey. We fund 40 different sports, so we don't need to host the sport. Mm -hmm. What we do is we're the catalyst to get the kids into the game. Mm -hmm. So we take care of the fee assistance part of it for the registration fees. Um, And then so on the application, sorry, I'll back up for a sec. On the application, it's a one-pager, easy schmeasy. We want to make it as easy as possible, especially if we're having 30% and growing of our families as new Canadians. It's Mm -hmm. already intimidating to look at this document. No one likes forms. No one likes forms anyways. So we want to make it easy. So it's the kids' information, the parents' information, the sport sport club that the kid's going to be playing at. And this is up to the parents' choice. Another reason why we don't host any programs, because if transportation is a barrier for families, mm-hmm. but there's a soccer community league down the street from them their kid can walk to, yeah. or they can walk to, or there's an easy bus transit they can get on, mm-hmm. uh, then that's what they're going to be doing, right? So we want to leave the choice up to the, and the freedom for that up to the families. And then... Uh, the sport club needs to sign off on their registration form mm-hmm. because this, the funds, the donor dollars, are going right to the sport club. Right. They don't go into the parents' hands. It goes right to the sport club to cover the registration fees. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, kids are in sport. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I missed the part of uh, income support. So we qualify them. Um, we call, qualify our families um, on a on, based on the federal government's LICO scale with a mm-hmm. bit of a buffer on top of that because Edmonton is an, ex- is an expensive place to be, a place to live. So... Uh, and that's determined Lyco by our is, board. I know you told me beforehand, but I forget. No, no, can you think? No, you don't even get to go. Are you Googling it? You no, can't Google it. <laughs> I have it higher up in my notes. No, it's um, living income uh, cutoff. Very close. Yes, very close. So the low income Low income cutoff. Low income cutoff, yes. Uh, and then because we're a local chapter, um, and there's 178 of us across the country, and each local kids sport chapter is so different compared to where they're living. Like mm-hmm. Edmonton's way different than... Victoria, right? Uh, As far as kids sport chapters go. So our volunteer board of directors gets to decide really what that buffer is going to be on top of that. So uh, we don't, we can't go above 30%, but if your city is more expensive to live in, then we can take that into consideration so we can support more of the working, uh, um, working families that are still struggling, if I can say that properly. So, 
So that's our program. It's really an application process. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's two full-time staff, including myself, and one part-time. It's run by a board of volunteer directors. We've got, I think, 11. I read in your year-end review, two and a half employees, and for some reason, I just (laughs) didn't really understand. saying that. I didn't really understand that, but (laughs) I I get it now. (laughs) I used to say that when I started in September, and then I've been asked a few times, like, what does that mean? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop saying that. Well, they were were a full person, but now they're a shell of a person. Yeah, no, no, (laughs) yeah. Now they're a shell of a person. Um, So one thing I wanted to ask you, and I think we spoke on the phone a couple weeks about it, but how do you guys determine what constitutes a sport and what doesn't? We base it off of national sports. Okay. Yeah. So um, I I don't want to turn away families that believe that Lego could help their kids or (laughs) drama. I know. (laughs) They initial laugh, I understand. Uh, Or that uh, drama or music or band, whatever it might be, can benefit their child. I I believe whatever their child is passionate about, um, they should be able to receive some financial assistance for that. Mm-hmm. But at kids sport, that's not our mandate. Our mandate is sport specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything that would qualify as national sport. So um, although we support others and we're happy to refer them to other organizations that could help them with that, mm-hmm. our mandate is strictly sport okay. and it falls under national. Sports. So mixed martial arts now, sport. Yeah, that's a sport, yeah. Okay, uh, national yo-yo championship. Mm, negative. Not a sport. Yeah, not a sport. <laughs> I'd say it's pretty easy to draw the line. (laughs) One thing that um, intrigued me about your numbers was that, and just being a Canadian guy in Alberta, I assumed hockey would be your number one supported sport, but it's actually soccer. Yeah. um, By substantial margin. Yeah, very substantial. Is there any intuition into why that is? Is Uh, I do believe hockey is expensive, way more expensive than soccer. Mm -hmm. So even if you want to get in a community league just to kind of if you're interested it's more feasible for our families to get their kids into soccer than it would be for hockey in saying that uh equipment's still covered if they are qualified for our program Mm -hmm. and back to our application program if they qualify for us there's a box at the bottom that says do you need equipment and if they check yes then they get a referral right to sports central right and then no questions asked they can go get whatever equipment they need for their child so um so equipment would be taken care of but it's still an expensive registration fee to be a part of to, to get into so Soccer is just more popular. It's also thirty percent new Canadians. So Canadians, so most of them are coming from hockey playing yeah, nations. Yeah, exactly. Soccer is right? more comfortable for them. Yeah. Uh, there's more. The access is easier in terms of your community league likely has a soccer program you can be a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, equipment costs are lower. It's a sport you can practice on your own if your child's a part of soccer but doesn't have a game or practice. They can go outside for you know twenty minutes and kick a ball against the wall. You know, yeah. like kind of get some practice with that. Um, and actually, soccer is the biggest sport in Canada and Alberta. So it's really... By on, pure numbers? Our, yeah, just by numbers. It's like one of our biggest sports. So it's our numbers are really on point with the country's numbers, and even in, also in terms of girls' participation in sport. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's really low. Uh, too low. Uh, so, across but, the board. Uh, across sport, the board. Except in all sports. Skating, I'm yeah. Sure. Well, <laughs> I don't know, actually. I've got to look deeper into that one. But, um, but in terms of sport, in terms of sport in Edmonton, girls in Edmonton and sport, mm-hmm. Alberta... Canada across the board so we are finding our numbers are really on point with um, the interest levels across the country right and I I remember the the last piece that I didn't ask you just that I think is vital so do you cover the entire registration fee or the entire Mm. like year fee of the sport? Another great question my friends so what we do is we 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 base it off of a calendar year Mm -hmm. uh, but within that calendar year you can apply as many times as you want for your child (coughs) some families will stretch they get up to 250 per calendar year right now and our goal is to always increase that as Lauren was saying earlier the cost of sport is so high and it's rising so we want to make sure we can keep on track with that right now 
our goal is to never say no to a qualified applicant. So we, w- we want to make sure that whatever kids are coming in, we can support them at that number. Mm-hmm. And since 2015, we've seen a 20% growth in the need and demand for our program. So we want to make sure that we can continue supporting the kids we're helping, keep up with the 20% growth before we increase the 250 per calendar year right. in order to never have to say no to a qualified right. family, qualified applicant. So um, I'm sorry, was that? I, yeah, so basically 250, 250 per calendar year per, sorry, per so kid. Per in, kid, per family, yeah. Right? So, and, so some families will stretch that 250 and get them into community swimming, community soccer, and mm-hmm. apply for $50 each time, or some will just slam that 250 right onto their big hockey bill if that's right. what it comes down to. And and there are some other programs out there too. Shout out to Confet Hockey who matches at their full 250, which is really awesome. Amazing. So the, if a kid sport family applies for 250 for hockey, Confet Hockey and they're approved, Confet Hockey matches 250, the family's left paying I think 150 mm-hmm. and they get to go to Sports Central and get right. equipment. So there, we're definitely collaborating as much as we can in the community but also open to more collaborations in the community um, mm-hmm. in order to get kids active and keep them active. That was a wink for those. Just that was a huge a double wink. Wink, yeah. wink, nudge, nudge. Um, what, what number of kids, if it's even possible to know this number, are currently not playing sports that could be Oh, I know this, yeah. So there's 34. Yeah. <laughs> me, I know it. <laughs> uh, 34,000, my friend. There's 34,000 kids within Edmonton, within the city, not surrounding Sherwood Park and St. Albert, just within our city that are living in poverty that would qualify for our program. Assuming all 34,000 want to play sport, this past year we helped 3,000 kids. Again, we go to year year to year, so mm-hmm. it's been 18,000 since we've opened. 3179, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. So I was thinking for math, it'd be easier for me to figure out the percent <laughs> if we didn't go specific numbers, but, um, but in that case, it's still a small percentage of, of what's available. Yeah. But in order to reach these kids, uh, what we find, and I wanted to add this into one of my answers, but I can't backtrack, so I'll add it now. Uh, I can't... Um, the, the problem is, um, and I've lost it. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll you come know, back to come it. back to me again. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to ask that struck out as, um, question, not questionable, I don't know, that stuck out to me, mm. um, was that Taekwondo is separated from martial arts in mm. your numbers. Is that because you have an exorbitant amount of Taekwondo athletes compared to the rest of the martial mm. arts? Do you know the reason for that? Uh, to be honest, I don't know the answer or curious. reason for that. Yeah, that's a great question, and I've never been asked that one, and it's a great one. Well, 191 Taekwondo. Maybe they don't classify as martial arts. Taekwondoists. Taekwondoists. <laughs> Taekwondoists, and then 28 martial arts kids last year. Interesting. I wonder why we don't put them together in the same group. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look into that when I get back to you. Okay. Yeah. Question for later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> perfect. So then... Um, where where do you start with this research? I mean, are you looking at the numbers? And I'm directing this to Loren for mm-hmm. those again who aren't watching. Um, you know, are you actively involved in going out and speaking? Like, what's what's the evaluation process for this? So it's a two year grant. So we applied um, to an outside granting agency, which is SHRC, Social Sciences of Humanities and Research Council. Um, so it's a, so we applied for f- outside funding through mm-hmm. um, Canadian Tri-Council funding and we received it. So it's a two-year grant mm-hmm. um, that we received and we're in our, our completion of our first year. Okay. So what we're doing is we're interviewing um, parents, teacher coaches who coach the students who are on who are supported by kids sport within a school sport and the students themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're in the process of doing these interviews. Um, We have done some already with teacher coaches and students Mm -hmm. um, and we have no parents, um, which is a barrier right now. We're trying to find parents, but um, recruiting 
low socioeconomic uh, populations are difficult because mm-hmm. um, our traditional recruitment methods such as social media, emails, doesn't work with that population. Right. Um, so that's our struggle right now. But we have interviewed teacher coaches and um, kids who play on school sports teams funded by and then we're looking at those outcomes that we're particularly interested in, right. which are, um, you know, that whole child education, graduation rates, attendance, how it benefits them. Right. We're also looking at collecting documents from schools around their attendance and their grades, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, over the course of, of two years or perhaps longer if we can extend the funding period. Right. So you've been able to identify the kids, obviously, because they're in the programs, yeah. but, but you're not able to backtrack up the line and get the parents as well? Correct. So we've been able to identify the kids through the teacher coaches, through KidSport. So KidSport has sent out a recruitment strategy saying if you're interested in talking um, to researchers to better inform our program, um, come help out. And teacher coaches have been fabulous at that because Mm -hmm. they love KidSport because Mm -hmm. it helps them get their students opportunities to play sport right so then we interview the teachers and then we say hey do you have any students that we can talk to yeah um and we've gone that route um the difficult part is getting those students to sign consent forms right so they have to take them home get them signed and bring them back which is a barrier but we've Mm -hmm. been working and overcoming that and doing quite well with the help of the teachers Mm -hmm. it's just getting those parents um have been you can't show up at the practice and wait for the parents to grab the kids we can't and (laughs) lots of those parents aren't at the practice right Uh, right Gotcha. Um, yeah. So what, um, a year in, sort of, has anything surprised you or, you know, yeah. talk about what you found so far? Um, absolutely. So I've done other school sport research. So mm-hmm. we've, we've talked to kids and we've talked to teacher coaches regarding school sport. What we haven't done is talk to low socioeconomic students about school sport. Mm-hmm. And it is an entirely different conversation. And that has been really surprising for me. So you talk to kids from a middle, upper class uh, community. So we talk to them about school sport. What are the benefits of school sport? What do you like about school sport? Um, And even the teacher coaches who coach those types of students, so students from higher economic families, um, give responses such as, um, oh, we, we came in second in the cities and that was really great. Or we yeah. saw a lot of physical improvement. The student really developed physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the focus. And when we talk about to kids and teacher coaches about sport for low socioeconomic youth, mm-hmm. the physical is not even really mentioned. What is mentioned is that we are their family. Um, we feed them mm-hmm. at practice, we provide food, we have to kick them out of the gym because this is their home. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go home. Lots of them are going home to empty houses. Mm-hmm. Um, this gets them to school. You know, they've developed a social circle that um, helps support them. They come and talk to me about issues. We've developed a relationship. Um, so it's it's really family-based and there's a lot of talk about this of school sport being their second family. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know that if they don't go to if they don't go to school and do their assignments they get sport taken away so it hangs like a carrot which i like and don't like right Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's how teachers use it and it really benefits their education because those kids are coming to school they want to be to be at school they want to play sports they in order to play sport they Mm -hmm. they have to they have to go to school well yeah everyone needs motivation to Mm -hmm. to do certain things i can see a situation in which sort of the higher high uh socioeconomic it's gonna be a better way to say it rich families yeah so (laughs) a situation in which the rich families they're they're you know they've got all the basic necessities Mm -hmm. taken care of 
Um, so they've got, you know, for the kids, it's sort of like just part of being like a well-rounded person. Mm-hmm. It's just part mm-hmm. of your life. Yeah. But, but from the... It's just typical childhood experiences that yeah. everyone, yeah. you know, like education for kids, they have it, mm-hmm. right? Like, why can't that be the same for yeah. sport? It's the same theory that mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of just, just the differences and that even the the way the conversation and the interviews go and that the like mood in the room of the interviews in compare in comparison in comparing the two mm-hmm. so just a couple of weeks ago we were interviewing a group of students and i said you know i ask um if you were in charge of kids sport what would you do mm-hmm. what changes would you make and um, to put them in charge to help you know if it's the, if it's the registration yeah. form needs to be changed or if their parents whatever it is so these kids say one of the boys says um I think it would be really nice if we could give something to kids sport. I just don't like oh. taking the money. And oh. he's like, oh my heart. I know. Oh. I know. Yeah. He's like, maybe we could ref for yeah. them or we could come coach and help the littler kids. Yeah. And then all the other kids started talking. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I don't like taking their money either. Maybe oh. we should. And it became this conversation. Interesting. And that's the like the energy within the room. Like mm-hmm. they are so grateful. Mm-hmm. They know that they are lucky for this funding. They really, really, truly value it. Mm-hmm. Where the other conversations, and not that those kids don't value sport and don't benefit from sport, and I always say, even in the in our research and the classes that I teach, you can I personality-wise focus on the kids that need it the most. Right. But we can't forget about the kids like me who benefited from sport, but mm-hmm. came from a well-off family mm-hmm. that could afford it because I needed sport in my own sense. So we right. can't forget about er- the two ends of the spectrum and everybody in the middle. Mm-hmm. But I just think that the power of sport for those kids is life-changing. Right. Um, And I think we need to ensure that if I'm a student that wants to play on a school sports team, I am able. Couldn't have said it better. That's that's, that's pretty pretty compelling stuff that you're finding. I mean, it's probably going to bring you to the verge of tears a lot of times. (laughs) Doing both sets of interviews fairly close together has been really interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. I'm going to run with, I'm sorry, were you going to ask a question? No, go ahead. Okay. I was, I want to run off of what Lauren was saying. Um, so Kidsport Edmonton has been open since 93 and we're starting to see, it's interesting that you've asked them that question because some of the kids that we supported when they were say 12 or so that have now either gone to school on a mm-hmm. scholarship or what it might be are turning around and coming back to help kids sport now that mm-hmm. they can. So I've seen when I was in Calgary, uh, as the manager of events and volunteers, there were some volunteers that signed up, um, that were, didn't sign up as past kids sport kids. They just mm-hmm. signed up to volunteer. And then I finally met them at an event and I got to hear their story. And their story was that kids sport helped them get into sport. Right. And that's why that that's their why to volunteering, which I thought was really cool. And then there's other ones that, you know, you, they reach out to you and say, Hey, you know what? I'm coaching kids basketball now. And it's because kids sport got me into basketball mm-hmm. and, you know, and so there's all those really amazing stories. Um, about kids that now turn around and support us. Mm-hmm. And we've got some really exciting stuff uh, up our sleeves right now at Kidsworth that I can't talk about yet. Uh, oh, but one of the I know, I know, Come I'm on. sorry, not sorry. But one of the uh, sponsors for something that's gonna be coming up soon, uh, he's a past Kidsport kid. Mm-hmm. And now he has a successful, like he's a, he's a sorry, stuttering, a realtor mm-hmm. who can now turn around and you know write a check you know it comes back to grit and grace mm-hmm. everything you learn in the field and then <laughs> turning around and being able to write a check with your checkbook because or a paypal payment or whatever like whatever yeah. the yeah. kids are doing now but um to turn around and, and give financially because of what sport provided you with because of kids sport was able to help you so yeah. that's so amazing to hear that mm-hmm. even when they're kids thinking it not like in you know universe like oh when i'm done i'll give back it's mm-hmm. now they're already having that conversation yep. 
And I think that we need to do something with that. Yeah. Like that is so cool that these kids are already thinking about how um, how they can help. So that's yeah, neat. And absolutely. I did I did remember and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget what I was going to say earlier. Um, so you talked about the application program and how it works and how we work with families with it. Um, fee assistance, unfortunately, has the atmosphere, vibe, or feeling of shame around it. Right. When if I were to stand on the street corner and make it rain kids board applications, my friend, no one would pick them up because it's it's a shameful thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I need I need help. No, I'm not going to do this in public. Like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. So what we found. And when I say we, I've only been with Kids for Edmonton for a few months, but the team over the years has done such amazing work at working with the sport clubs. Mm -hmm. So the admin, the treasurers at the sport clubs, when the parents say, well, you can try my visa, it might not work, they can just slide a Kids Sport application mm -hmm. across the table. It's between the two of them right. and Kids Sport. Reduce that like, friction. That's it. it. Yeah. yeah Reduce that feeling and emotion until we can tackle that problem and shift mm -hmm. the image of fee assistance to it not being shameful. Yeah. Uh, then I think that that's definitely something that that's an another mm -hmm. conversation over an, or another day but um that was something else that i wanted to add in there is how we need to end up shifting that um the fee assistance perspective perspective of it, right? um but also to answer your question mm -hmm. originally that is also how we work with our families and sport clubs is, uh, is through the, more of the side the sport right. club side and that's that's a really important factor no one would yeah. ever think about that right yeah. mm -hmm. no one would ever at least not the people who don't need it, yeah, right? Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. think, oh, that's an actual barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because chances are they've never had to take a hand out or a hand up, yeah, right? Yeah. And with that, that's one of the things that the teachers are saying is that they have to go up to the student and say, mm -hmm. we can help you with funds mm -hmm. because they know the student may want to play, but they're too ashamed to yeah. try out so or participate sad. because mm -hmm. they know they can't afford it. So they just withdraw. Mm -hmm. right. So the teachers themselves say that we go up to kids and say, you should play, you should play, you should mm -hmm. play, and we can help you with funding. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they've also said that even with that in it, taking that initiative, the kids are still like, no, no, I just don't want to play because they still don't yeah. want that funding help or there mm -hmm. there's that stigma mm -hmm. attached to it so mm -hmm. that was one of the things that the teacher coaches said was kind of a barrier to getting mm -hmm. kids that should be playing to come out but they're yeah. just too they don't want they don't want to you know admit that they need those yeah. funds for help are they pretty transparent when a kid says i don't want to but can you easily tell that it's a i'm i'm not able to yeah and i think that's that's the great thing about teachers is that they know their students quite well so they kind of know their background and know mm -hmm. you know know if they're don't want to play or want to play. Mm -hmm. um, so I think teachers are really good at that. The other thing schools do is if kids sport funding doesn't um, provide enough funds or maybe they use one their yearly 250, the schools do have fi finances to help those kids out. Right. Um, and, and teachers do use use that as well, which mm -hmm. is which is great. Well, I just think back to my high school experience and not, I'd never had any barrier to sports um, financially or otherwise, but I know other things that I was to I was wanted to do but too shy to mm -hmm. to trial for I always wanted to try out for the plays and I always mm -hmm. wanted to be in the plays but I was deathly afraid of auditioning mm -hmm. and so you know people would be like oh why don't you try that and I'm, oh I don't want to yeah mm -hmm. and that's such a such a childish response yet I think we're also guilty of we are, of, of, of that even as adults because there's so many things that we deep down intuitively want to mm -hmm. succeed at and want to um, tackle I watched yeah. a really interesting um, a TED talk I think it's Carolyn Hughes the art of being yourself and everyone should watch it she's outstanding and I've watched it I think 75 times <laughs> this last week and every other like she's just so great and it's such a good one and something she says is we're 
we're our true selves when we're five and under and 75 mm -hmm. and over. It's that time in the middle <laughs> yeah. that we're so self-conscious, yeah, right. right? Like, what are people gonna think? What are they gonna say, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and when people really, um, you know, I'm not gonna ruin that. <laughs> Everyone <Yeah>. just watch it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But really, that's what she says is, mm -hmm. it's when, when we become more, you know, concerned about what others think of us or, mm -hmm. you know, what are they gonna say? and. What if, you know, Bobby, who I sit next to, what if he knows that I'm a kid sport kid? Like, what if he finds out somehow, so I'd rather not do mm -hmm. it, and that's shame. That's a bad, bad feeling for these mm -hmm. kids. And um, same with you and the drama class, mm -hmm. the, the place you wanted to be a part of. And um, it's just how do we, that's, again, another conversation for another day, but how do we break that? So these kids are just feeling empowered all the time to say yes, yeah. So right? my mind goes to two different, completely opposite directions. The first of which would be, like you're saying, how do we make the kids okay with it? How do we get mm -hmm. them to come to see that it's nothing to be ashamed yeah. of? That and when they're in the sport, no one's gonna know they're a kid sport kid, right? right? Like mm -hmm. no one's gonna know that. There's not a yellow wristband <laughs> and everyone points at them saying, oh, you're yeah, one a of scarlet them. letter, like, yeah, right? there's no, there's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. They're just, they show up to play mm. just like everyone else. But then the, the the complete 180 of that is, and I don't know if this is the right answer or not, but is there a way to incorporate the program without the kids ever knowing that they're a kid sport athlete, you know, as the parent sort of protects Some them, do. shelters you them from the world? You know what's interesting is, um, so our program manager, uh, we miss her so much, and she left us uh, at the end or the beginning, sorry, of this year. We have a new one, she's fantastic. Um, but when... We were going through the interview process to fill that role. I interviewed someone who's a kid. She said in the interview, she's a kid sport parent, or maybe it was in a cover letter. I can't remember. And I said, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I'm so glad we could help you. Mm -hmm. um, can I, could I receive your kid's testimonial? Because that'll help us really under, you know, like here, we love the hearing those testimonials. And uh, she said, no, he doesn't know he's a kid sport kid. So I'm going to disagree with what you're saying because I think that it needs to be a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying shame. it should be. No, no, I'm, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm just, just to kind of have a debate around that. Mm -hmm point because I don't I don't think it should be not talked about I mm -hmm. think communication and clear conversation is beneficial for everyone involved you know like especially around fee assistance and and mm -hmm. that feeling of you know it's it's okay to take a handout it's you know actually mm -hmm. the individual I was talking about before who's going to be a sponsor of ours for an event coming up that I can't talk about but it's gonna be really exciting um, <laughs> ears open folks ears open um, uh, he said to me when we met for a coffee his mom there are new Canadians. He came over from Jamaica, and his mom's. His he said, growing up, he said, I didn't even know his his experience was opposite. He was, I didn't even know I was accepting fee assistance because mom made it such a conversation. I thought Santa Claus was real because every Christmas someone would come to the door with a gift for me. But it was like Santa's helpers, right? <laughs> but as a kid, they're so you know like beautifully naive, yeah. and I think that um, if the, also the parents are open to those conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Like. If, if the feeling of shame is in the household already, that's what they're going to continue mm -hmm. with into school. But if it's already a conversation of, mm -hmm. hey, this is where we're at, this is where we need help with, it's and saying it's okay to take these things. Like he said, you know, when we were in school, remember like at the lunch table, like, hey, I'll, I'll trade you my Dunkaroos for my Gushers or for your mm -hmm. Gushers, like kind of those things. He's like, I never got to do that. He goes, because it was awesome. Someone brought me snacks and lunch every day. And, uh, and, he, and he had then learned, well, yeah, he was in the lunch program, right? Because right. his family was low income. So um, I think that innocence um, of a child is, is there if the communication is there and open already mm -hmm. with the family. And I think his mom did that really well. Um, and I think we should have her on air to talk about how she can help other families create that atmosphere of it's mm -hmm. okay to ask, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm not a parent by any means, but my intuitive feeling would be like, be honest with your kids. Yeah. It's not your job to protect them from the world. It's your job to prepare them for the world. Amen, right? brother. Yeah. And I think the or like, who knows what kind of issues that distrust could lead to if you mm-hmm. find out, you know, at 18 mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. for the last 10 years your your parents have been receiving. Yeah, and your mom's been struggling, but not open enough to tell you she's yeah. been struggling. So then there's that whole other feeling of, I wish I would have known there's so I could have helped. Right? There's oh my contempt. gosh. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? So let's just have an open conversation around. <laughs> Uh, how have you been finding uh have marks increased since uh, we uh, haven't looked at that yet because okay. it hasn't been long enough so we don't anticipate you know a huge grade increase over two years because mm-hmm. it's just we do anticipate um you know a greater sense of belonging and attendance um you know and uh there's also research that shows higher um educational aspirations with mm-hmm. through sport mm-hmm. um so we, we are anticipating those things and along along the lines of some of the things we were talking about about this like idea of being confident with who mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. and being okay with you know what you bring to the table i think all of those things that you two were just discussing have been shown in the research to be a product of sport right so if we want these kids i have a five-year-old who has the most self-confidence in the world right now yeah. and i always think when is that gonna go because it does go like she stands in the mirror and looks at herself and she's Love all it. loving herself Love right it. and i want to yes yeah in a capsule but my idea of keeping that in a capsule is putting her in sport Right, mm. because sport awesome. teaches her to love her body, mm-hmm. teaches her self confidence, self esteem, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives her, or at least from my experience and within the research, gives her a sense of community of other f- strong females mm-hmm. that um, also s- can support her, uh, that are like minded, and that that can be a good group of, of girlfriends. So mm-hmm. I think if we want to encapsulate all those things that we were just talking about, we do it through sport, and that's one of the best avenues to do it through. Yeah, yeah. I think the Amazing. idea of incorporating it with the school element too is vital mm-hmm. because for me like confidence is momentum mm-hmm. like I, yeah. I bartend part-time on the weekend so this yeah. is a random anecdote but I think it suits it yeah. when I walk in the first shift of the week it's a Friday or something if I walk in and it's already crazy busy I'm like oh I like not as confident as mm-hmm. I would be at the end of a shift you got to build up that sort of social momentum yeah. have a few conversations and then before you know it then you're in the swing of things yeah mm-hmm. but I can see a scenario in which you know if a, if a kid is already not comfortable at school mm-hmm. well then all of a sudden he, he starts becoming more comfortable going yeah. to his school uh, his sport team at school and then school as a whole becomes this positive experience yes. where he's got this momentum of confidence that carries yeah. over into the school day because he's hey there's my teammate there's my defenseman Absolutely. or my left winger mm-hmm. yeah, 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 goalie yeah. and yeah, yeah. how are you guys doing today? Yeah. like it's just like because you know they have your back the sociability yeah. exactly yeah. like the team so element. this is what I do with my class and I'm going to propose this to all the listeners out there all those parents out there alright so if you if you had a list of attributes all so we all listed so I have give you a list of all these characteristics and attributes and we have like successful rich confident good at numeracy good at literacy intent for the educational promoters out there um, and then you have like healthy and happy on that list so I do this with my students I do this in, in some of the presentations I do if you if I asked you at the end of grade 12 of our education what do you want your kids to be Mm-hmm. And if I could speak for my kids, it would hands down be happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think we can't be successful without being happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. We can't be rich without being ha- happy and healthy, or we can be rich without being ha- happy and healthy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that is where our education has, has shifted. 
So if we think the most important thing for our students to be contributing members of society is Mm -hmm. this idea of confidence, self-esteem, all of that fits within the wellness Mm -hmm. or the happiness and health of our young people. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, we have this imbalance in schools where we focus on the numeracy and literacy. Mm -hmm. But I would way rather have my kids being happy and healthy when they leave grade 12 than excellent at numeracy and literacy. Mm -hmm. So I think we need, doesn't mean we don't focus on those things, but we make it more balanced in the sense of school sport, mm-hmm. uh, whole child education, wellness, mm-hmm. teaching kids how to have self-esteem. Yes. It's mm-hmm. something that it needs to be taught, totally not assumed. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's where the importance of sport comes in that whole picture of education. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we that gets lost in all these other educational initiatives. Yeah. Yeah. So it drives me nuts. I, and, and I'm going to bounce right off that, sister. Another thing, too, I think sport can provide in terms of that wholesome... I can't articulate the word right now, that wholesome vibe. I'm, I'm working, I'm doing a lot of hand talking right now that no one can see. <laughs> but it's great hand holistic, movements. Holistic, yeah, holistic approach. approach. Yep. Right. And in addition to all of that, you're also ending poverty. Mm-hmm. Like you're creating yep. an opportunity for these kids that come from low socioeconomic yep. backgrounds to get into a sport, possibly get a scholarship, go to school. Mm-hmm. We just had Jeff Vela, who's one of our past kids sport kids. You know, he came from a family of five and, um, sorry, thank you. Uh, he came from a family of five and, you know, a single mom and no one in his family had gone to school before. Like after high school, you just start working and making minimum mm-hmm. wage and working through and it's creating that cycle again. But mm-hmm. sport and his coaches who mentored him really forced him into mm-hmm. this this high level of football, which I that's another conversation, doesn't always have to be high level, but high level of football that... He ended up playing for the Bears on a scholarship. He was the quarterback. He, you know, he ended up getting his master's. And now he's got a job. Mm-hmm. And it encouraged his twin brother to do yeah. the same. Like, if you're donating to kids sport, you're not just affecting one. Yeah. When you donate to kids sport, you're not just <laughs> affecting <laughs> kids sport Edmonton. Uh, one kid. But yeah. it's such a wave and effect, right? And, and mm-hmm. filling these teams and having, you know, that bounce off of other kids yeah. too. But also, going back to ending poverty, I think that's a really big thing that it's not talked about. But... Mm-hmm. You're breaking that cycle. Now Jeff and his brother both have their masters. You know, his brother didn't get that as far into sport as Jeff did Mm -hmm. or as successful as Jeff did. But now they both have their masters Mm -hmm. and successful jobs. And now they can turn around and donate to nonprofits like (laughs) kidsportedmonton.ca. So many And and along those lines, what we do know is we know that health and education are intrinsically linked. They're one dependent on the other. So we can't have success in education Mm -hmm. if we don't have healthy kids. We Mm -hmm. just can't teach unhealthy kids. It's Mm -hmm. very difficult. And and we can't and the more healthy we are, the more educated we are. So that so they go together. So Mm -hmm. in that idea of, of you know, breaking the poverty cycle, we need both of those things and sport and activity and education mm-hmm. and health and happiness, all of that goes into our, our society becoming productive, healthy members mm-hmm. of society. And that's ultimately what totally. I want. And sport is a big piece of that puzzle. Right. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. The word you just said, productive, really kind of kicked off something that you were speaking about earlier. And just you want kids leaving grade 12 to be happy. Mm-hmm. right? But I think at least my feeling is that happiness is often set as the target, Mm -hmm. which I don't think happiness is a goal. I think happiness is a byproduct Mm -hmm. of a goal that is meaningful. I think as humans, we're we're Mm -hmm. purpose-driven, and I think we become the most lost and the most uh, psychologically unstable when we don't have a purpose, we don't have a meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I think, you know, sport is so vital because if education is not a kid's thing, at least it gives them a purpose and a meaning, right? Absolutely. And again, back to the momentum of building up that confidence 
starts to mm-hmm. do things, yeah. starts succeeding in sport. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I could try a few other things yeah, too, yeah. right? Like this podcast was had its genesis in me having a, a series of successful projects that I worked on that I'd never done, completely left turn in my career. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was like, I could start a podcast too. But if you had asked me a year and a half before that, before I started all these new projects, yeah. mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have thought I could do it. Yeah. Um, and here we are. You doubt. Minutes. It's more self-doubt, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what you learn on the field. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I can make this tackle. Even if you get tackled, you know you're going to get back up to make the next yeah. tackle. And yeah. that's what sport teaches. And those are just those, what you explained. Yeah, absolutely. And those are all the life skills that come from sport that is, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. I would say, is now considered evidence within our research world, meaning that we have enough research studies to mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. that that's evident. Mm-hmm. And it is only quality sport programs. There's crappy sport programs mm-hmm. that you know, deter that some of those life skills, but there's life skills built through sport. Mm -hmm. And I just read an article about how those soft skills um, are now, soft skills from like, I think it was like K to five or something are more predictive of future success Mm -hmm. than like numeracy and literacy from K to five, grade, kindergarten to grade five. Like Mm -hmm. you can, it better predicts the success of an individual Mm -hmm. than the, than the hard academic skills. Oh, for sure. And I think that's important to remember. Totally, totally. The top two predictors of overall career success are conscientiousness, your Mm -hmm. ability to delay gratification for a goal. Mm -hmm. And then the second right below that is extroversion. So your reactivity to positive stimuli, positive Mm -hmm. rewards. So I mean, I I think personality traits go far, far Uh, over and above any academic predictors for mm-hmm. sure, right? I mean, there might be uh, correlations. If a kid does well throughout the years, mm-hmm. chances are he's going to continue yeah. to do well, yeah. right? Yeah. Unless there's some mitigating circumstance yeah. as well. But uh, a question for you or both of you, how do you teach self-esteem? And I, mm. I want to relate back to an article I saw your name linked to about, it scared me at first because it said um, <laughs> making making cuts in sports can be oh, devastating yeah. to kids. It's a new title. And then, and then I, w- I was, I was going to think, oh my God, they're going to say that you shouldn't cut kids, which I think yeah. maybe relegate them to the B team, right? But yeah. that's an important part of learning. If you're not good enough, yeah. you're not going to succeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, so, I, can I argue with you on that? You can jump into it wherever you want. <laughs> okay, so um, I would disagree with you at a certain in a certain age point. I don't think we should be cutting kids from school sports teams. Okay. So that's the argument. This is that's the argument we hear lots, right? Mm-hmm. So if you cut kids from sport team, and correct me if I'm getting your argument wrong, I just jumped on it because I've no, heard it no, before. No problem. So if you cut kids from a sport team, you're teaching them in the life skill of you're not good enough for something. You can a either work harder, you can mm-hmm. be quit, or you can keep going. And that's that life skill of not getting a job. You know that kind of analogy. Failing an assignment. Failing an assignment. Yeah. You didn't. You know you need to practice more or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But I will argue with you that um, at a certain age, right? Mm-hmm. I do think that we can perhaps do that in an older age group. But if I was to say that you learned that one life skill through me cutting you from a sports team, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe perseverance is the life skill. Mm-hmm. I would argue that if I took you on my team, you would learn more life skills. Right. So from the perspective of teaching, if I have my educator hat on, right. I want you to learn as many life skills as you can within while you're at school. Right. So if I cut you from the team, you may learn one. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you were on that team, you would have learned a heck of a lot more. Right. So that's why my argument is against cutting kids from sports so at it, a certain age. So with that being said, would you be would you be amenable to having sort of a B team if there's enough kids to support that? Because I agree, I don't think you should cut and then have them not play yeah. if mm-hmm. that's the alternative. But what I'm saying is that you might learn all these others, and again, depending on the age, so this mm-hmm. is really sticky yeah. to discuss, but if you learn a bunch of other positive life skills, but the one that you don't learn is that sometimes you're not 
you know, mm-hmm. you don't deserve something or sometimes you, you have to work to get mm-hmm. something essentially. Yeah. Um, I think that could be, that could create entitlement to some degree. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it depends on the setting and the age, etc. Right. But if you, if you think of it again in a school sport, mm-hmm. so you, in a teaching setting, you come to me, you're a 12 year old girl. Mm-hmm. I'd like to learn basketball. I say, no, you're not good enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. We're yeah. in a, we're in a teaching setting. Right. If you said, I would like to come learn math. No. You're not good enough. You don't know your your whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of you know where all those skills and everything that we've been talking about mm-hmm. and the benefits of this school sport and that education is for all. Yet in this part of this whole school education is school sport, and for some reason we're allowed to say no. I'm not going to teach you that. Right. Right now we've done a huge survey across Saskatchewan and Alberta. 1,700 teacher coaches and athletic directors around barriers and sports and many other things mm-hmm. around school sport. Teacher coaches don't want to coach, mm-hmm. or they resist, uh, I'm going to rephrase that. A lot of teacher coaches are resistant to coach because teachers are overworked. Mm-hmm. They are, have a ton on their plate already. They're dealing with students with a lot of things in their backpack, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And they have their own families, and it's yeah. all volunteer. If, you, if we're both teachers and you coach and I don't, we get the same pay. Right. Name another job that and does that. And they're already working over their... Totally, this, day, right? yeah, this whole 9 to 3.30 thing is not, not actually true. No. Um, if you coach a high school sport team, you're putting in 15 plus hours extra a week compared yeah. to a teacher oh, who sure. doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So we are lacking teacher coaches. So the two-team idea is a wonderful idea, but we have to have the facilities, the gym space, and the teacher coaches. Right. Now, and the buy-in for the teacher coaches, right? Yeah, like, like they, yeah. they're resistant to coach, with which, which is, is fair. Right. Yeah. Well, this self-gratification has to be at a point in which it offsets all the, all the drawbacks. For some people, that's that's a low threshold, and for some people, that's a really high threshold. And there's wonderful teacher coaches that are volunteering and doing Mm -hmm. wonderful things. And if they're not doing that, they're doing something else. So Mm -hmm. huge shout out to teachers. Mm -hmm. I'm the biggest teacher fan there is, and Mm -hmm. you'll never you'll never get um, higher value from anyone except you know around teachers. So I think it's great, and we are looking at different models around school sport and how Mm -hmm. this looks. Mm -hmm. I mean, school sport has looked the same for decades. Right. If you think of your school sport experience, it's probably the same as um, it is now. So this idea of shifting models, and we've come across some neat ones with the A and B team. Mm -hmm. Um, We've come across no cutting policies. Yeah. Um, So one of my former students um, took a hundred and some. Uh, students to play on the basketball team in Bonneville, Alberta. So just when, said no cuts. So when does that offset the benefits you get? Because other kids aren't getting any playing time. Well, he made like seven teams. Oh, so that's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah, sure, by all means then. But they're practicing morning lunch, yeah. so there's lots of issues. There's lots of issues. So I, I see yeah. what you say, and I understand better. So you're not talking like highly competitive, like top tier teams. Yeah, and that's where I think maybe high school model would look different. Maybe right. we are cutting grade 11s and 12 or grade 10s. Yeah. You know, maybe we are cutting grades 11s and 12s and grade 10s are cutoff point or something. And I don't have the answers of that. Mm-hmm. I just think that the life skills learned through sport mm-hmm. are greater than the one life skill of being cut. I understand. What I love, too, about the article is the four things that help, even if you have mm-hmm. to make a cut, is immediacy, don't make them wait, privacy, don't tell them in front of the group, encouragement, provide options for continuing to improve, and expectations to be clear on what would have or what will enable you to make the team in the future. Absolutely. I, I think and those just, are great. Just one last thing about that is that 
what we found from our research is that students who were cut Mm -hmm. don't continue to play in that sport. Mm -hmm. So that's crucial, right? If we want them to lead active, healthy lifestyles, and we know if I cut you from the basketball team, you think you're not good enough to play basketball, so Mm -hmm. you stop playing basketball, we need to change that. And that list of ways to cut came from students and parents that would further encourage their participation in that same sport. So that's really the goal, is to keep keep them in sport. We Mm -hmm. want them to keep keep playing. Yeah. Yeah, let me ask you the flip. How do you how do you deal with a kid who's put into a sport that doesn't want to be there? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use myself again as an example. Um, I've always been a bigger kid, tall, yeah. and in my earlier days a little heftier. Yeah. Uh, but I always loved playing hockey. That was my sport, no matter what. I loved it. Um, but in grade eight, my school basically not coerced me because like whatever I did yeah. it but I got put on the rugby team and I didn't I wasn't much of a runner I didn't like running I didn't <laughs> and like my interest for a second yeah. like I, said, <laughs> I, I didn't like the physical I was I was a wimp kind of mm-hmm. I didn't like the physical contact without the pads like hockey I, I'd grown up playing so that was fine it was just mm-hmm. part of the game but I didn't like the idea of smashing into another person yeah. without all those pads on so I just didn't really want to play now it wasn't a traumatic experience yeah. by any means but I did feel like as a kid who was bullied when he was younger I did feel a self-consciousness about being on the team Mm -hmm. I was already out of shape I wasn't very good at it they thought I would be good because I was big and I just didn't want to let anyone down so I didn't I felt the pressure of not wanting to let someone down Mm -hmm. but also felt that I was immensely letting them down because I knew I wasn't going to be good which probably psychologically deeper went into me not playing good but anyway that's so do you ever encounter that and how do you manage that and I think that you're just reminding me of what one of my colleagues Doug Gleddy always says is that this we need to find the joy in movement like unless we find a joy in Mm -hmm. movement we're Mm -hmm. not going to continue to do Mm -hmm. it like those people who are I'm trying to lose weight, and I went for a run today. I just hate it. Yeah. Well, why are you running? It's not yeah. Stop running and find something else. Like, there's mm-hmm. a thousand activities you can do, right? Yeah. So unless we find that joy of movement, we're not going to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would tell your old self to quit rugby and do something else as yeah. long as you're doing something. But as a 13-year-old, <laughs> yeah, you don't look at it as an option, right? Totally. You do what the adults tell you to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And that, and adults ruin a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. especially in the sport world. <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> should Fun listen police. to the kids more, I yeah. know. Number Seriously. one life advice, just try not to ruin it for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the kids, they have way more better perspective yeah. Yeah. than adults do. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, guys, this has been awesome. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would have yes, liked to you answer? Yeah, some really great mm-hmm. questions. Yeah, that was a good conversation. Yeah, I appreciate. Well, a good conversation. I appreciate you guys coming in. I hope it um, it spurred some other ideas. I know you guys yes. both got really energetic yeah. about that. <laughs> things that you need to pursue down the <laughs> this line. Is such a whenever we get together, we're like, oh, let's rule the world. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been that Red Bull you had. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Dana, where can people go to find out more? I mean, you dropped it a few times, yes. but let's get it all at one Thank place you. here. Thank I appreciate that, What's my coming friend. up to? Okay, so um, please go to kidsport, K-I-D-S-P-O-R-T dot C-A slash Edmonton, uh, or give us a call, email Dana, D-A-Y-N-A at kidsportedmonton.com. Uh, I'm sure maybe we can post some of this like, info and in your podcast right up, I think. Maybe, yeah, if we yeah. Could I'll have all the links to like your Perfect. your um, social you. medias and all that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we're always looking for donors. We're not able to function without um, our amazing community behind us supporting this initiative, this program in the community for kids. Uh, and uh, we're always looking for volunteers, of course, and we're more than happy and always looking for more families to support. Uh, again, saying that our donors need to 
be matched up equally with the applications coming in so we don't ever have to say no to apply for applicants. So um, apply, volunteer, donate. Happy to have those conversations. Thanks for having me here today. No problem. Yes, thank you very much. This was fun. Good. I'm glad you guys came. Lauren, anywhere people can go to see what you're doing or studying or researching? Uh, yeah, we have a website. You can go to my website. I don't know what it is and it really needs updating, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so don't go to it. My colleague was like, you need to update your website, which I do. Right. Um, but if there's any kids sport users out there that want to participate in our research um, I would love to love to chat awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ladies thanks it's truly thank a pleasure so I really you. appreciate it yeah. take care thanks as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, big thank you to Dana and Loren also for joining me um, and for the engaging and interesting discussion um, and for doing awesome work out there for the kids. Uh, recorded four episodes of the podcast last week, so lots of great content coming up. Can't wait to share it with you. See you next week.